I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, oddment, blubber, tweak. Podcast 93 quarters topic of the week is, is the cursed child canon? Hi listeners, I'm Jem. And I'm Ria. And this week we're discussing whether the cursed child is canon. First of all, maybe we should discuss the term canon. Uh, I have a definition here ready. I'll go with that. Nerd. A fictional canon is the material accepted as officially part of the story in the universe of that story. Other yeah. terms for canon include mythology, timeline, continuity. So for example, Hermione is very smart and reads a lot of books. That's canon. That's something canon. that exists yeah. in the Harry Potter story and nobody argues about it. Yeah, absolutely. Outside the concept of canon, which is pretty basic, there's some other terms which are generally used in fandom spaces, but which casual readers of Harry Potter might not be too familiar with. So I thought we should just get those out of the way before we move on. Yeah. So the first one is a headcanon. A headcanon is one person's personal take on an element of the story. So that might contradict or complement canon. But in either case, the person in question holds the headcanon as better or more true than the official canon. Yeah. Uh, so a headcanon might be Hermione reads a lot because she didn't have any friends growing up. But another person's headcanon might be Hermione reads a lot because it's her way of trying to understand as much as she can about the wizarding world with her muggle background. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's what that person thinks and it's just their headcanon for the story. Uh, the last one is Fanon. Mm. Fanon is a headcanon which is shared by so many fans of the story that it's basically transcended one individual person and it's become accepted as a sort of canon. Okay. So fanons might even become so popular that they get adapted and are canonized. Right. Uh, so, for example, Black Hermione. That was so popular that Hermione was interpreted that way in The Cursed Child. And I love that so much. Oh, so do I. Weeding out the racist fans, too. Like, looking at people's <gasps> responses. <laughs> I know. That was so good. Uh, I see you. <laughs> it was the one redeeming feature of that play, is what I will say. Black and whitey. <laughs> oh, she's already into it. I know. <laughs> Leaving her prisoner. So, with those things in mind, what's your opinion on Cursed Child? My opinion is that it is absolutely not canon. <laughs> There's a few reasons that stick out quite prominently. I'm just mm -hmm. in general terms. I'm firstly going to say that the time travel as depicted in Cursed Child is yes, completely divergent from canon. It is explained to an extent, but for me, it just seems like a loose, a really cheap explanation. Mm -hmm. I'd also say that the characterization is just so, it really irked me. And like a lot of people have said, oh, you know, the characters have grown up, it's been 20 years or so, like, they've changed their lives. I'm like, sure, they've changed, but 
these characterizations just seem very weak and very um like a shallow representation of the the depth that that was went into with the books. Mm. They've changed too much. They've changed into different people, which isn't acceptable. They haven't developed. They've literally just changed. Yeah. And those are the two things that stick out most prominently to me as why this isn't canon. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. My reason for thinking the Cursed Child isn't canon, by the way, that is my opinion, if I haven't expressed that clearly, (laughs) is that... I think by my own measure and by any reasonable measure, it's just not canon because it's garbage. <laughs> that as well. <laughs> yes. Like, I will say, there are some elements of The Cursed Child that I'm like, this is good and I enjoy it and I support it. But then mm-hmm. that's like maybe 5% of what happened and the 95% that remains is complete garbage and I do not like it at all. And I was so disappointed because I really wanted to enjoy this. I was so yeah. pumped for how... how- I love theatre, I love Harry Potter, and I was like, two worlds collide, this will be great. Black Amani, even better, woo, keep it going, keep it going. And then, I want to die. Like, what is this? (laughs) I was very excited at first, like you, when the original announcement came out. I'm like, Cursed Child, that's a bit of a strange title, Mm. but alright, I'm still on board. The castings came out, I'm like, I love all these people. They look the way I imagine the characters looking, that's exciting and fun. What started to irritate me was when all the promotion for the published version of the screenplay was saying, it's the eighth Harry Potter book. That no, irritated me because it's not. That's incorrect. No, there is no eighth Harry Potter book. book. It's not a book. No, it's, a, it's a script as well. Like it's, <laughs> it's a book in terms of the fact that it has pages and a binding, but <laughs> it's yeah. not a novel. The Harry Potter series does not have an eighth book. It has seven books. It ended. It's over. The series is complete. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay for things to end. (laughs) Sometimes things that continue are worse. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes things that are canon are worse. As you can see, I'm holding up The Cursed Child here, and I've put little tags inside the book and all the points in which I thought canon was breached, or in which I literally gagged from the characterization. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I can see that on our Skype call. Our listeners can't say that, but (laughs) I assure you she is doing that. There are quite a few, at least over a dozen. (laughs) Is there a difference between the pink and the blue tags, or did you just run out of pink? I ran out of pink. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many things wrong that you ran out of tags and you had to change. Absolutely. I think this is a good point in which to define for ourselves what we see as Harry Potter canon. All right, canon's a bit complicated. And not just in Harry Potter. So obviously the original work, the first thing that comes out, that's always canon. But yeah, it's when we start building on from that point, when we get sequels, when we get adaptations, when we get fan works, that's where it becomes really complicated. And this is true in any fandom. Harry Potter is a big one for mm-hmm. a lot of people because it's Harry Potter. But there's other examples. Are you aware of the Star Wars Extended Universe controversy? Uh, no. I mean, I know there's a lot of books and comics around Star Mm -hmm. Wars that I haven't read. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Basically, I'm going to go into this because it's an interesting side note, and I think we can learn some lessons from it. Even though this isn't a Star Wars podcast, but whatever. Star Wars is (laughs) enough that most people should have heard of it. We've already made some Star Wars references here and there. (laughs) We have. There was one in our first episode, courtesy of you. Yeah. So the Star Wars Extended Universe... 
Basically, I'm not referring to the prequel trilogy. Let's go with the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six. Those came out and then they finished. But then, of course, people still wanted more story. So, as mm -hmm. you said, there were books, there were comics, there were games, there was a bunch of material which continued to be produced by, I'm not actually certain if it was officially licensed material by George Lucas and co, or if it was just other people, just basically fan works which were canonized. Right. Um, I'm not certain. Probably a mix of both. Basically, there was just a lot of content, and it told more stories about what happens after the end of the movies. I'm not familiar with any of it because I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, or I wasn't before The Force Awakens came out. But yeah. there was things like, I think Luke got married, Leia and Han hmm. were married, they had multiple children, none of whom was Kylo Ren. So there were other things like that. I think Chewbacca had an entire family as well. There was just lots of hmm. things which happened, which were accepted by the fans as being part of canon. Is that like the Grey Jedi? Yeah, the Grey Jedi came from the Extended Universe. There was stuff right. as well which was set before the movies, and I think way before even Anakin Skywalker's time. The point here is that when Disney bought the franchise and when they decided they were making new movies, they basically said, the Star Wars Extended Universe, gone. It's not canon anymore. Right. And that was very upsetting for a lot of fans who have invested yeah. literal decades. and energy. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as they're concerned, that's the way the story goes. You can't just snap your fingers and it all disappears. But that's what Disney did, mm -hmm. because they wanted to continue the story their own way. They wanted to tell the Force Awakens story and The Last Jedi and whatever comes after that. I think that says something about, I guess, the temporary nature of canon. You can't get too invested yeah. in these stories because nothing's real and it can all vanish at any moment. I love how you're saying you can't get to invest in these stories, and here we are, <laughs> investing our time and energy into this story. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm about to get very invested. But what I'm saying is... Go on. Outside of the original work, no one can ever take the Harry Potter books away from us. They're finished, they're published, mm -hmm. they're what they are. No one can ever take yeah. that original Star Wars trilogy away. It's done, it's finished. Things that come after, whether they're real or not, is basically up to you. If you hated everything in the no, Star Wars no. Extended Universe and you never read or engaged with it and you just had your own ideas about what happened, that's just as valid as whatever yeah. was in the Extended Universe is basically what I'm saying. That's probably a controversial statement. People might get mad at me. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I mean, like, being an English major, that's like the essence of art. Mm -hmm. it, art isn't for the artist, it's for the viewers. Yes. And for the people who engage in it. And what the viewers love and what they choose to believe in is basically what the art is. If we all loved Cursed Channel, Cursed, Cursed Canon, if we all loved Cursed <laughs> Child, that was a bit of a Freudian slip, yeah. <laughs> then we wouldn't be doing this episode at all. But because it's garbage and we all hated it, suddenly there's a debate here. Yeah. Well, there's no debate. We all hate we it. All hate. <laughs> anyway, so back to what is canon. I have a proposed criteria. I have four points. First of all, okay. I think canon is created either completely or primarily by the original creator of the series. So in this case, J.K. Yeah. Rowling. Secondly, yeah. I think canon is a supplementary work, not an adaptation. Supplementary works are works which are created by the original author or creator outside the primary story, but still part of the same universe. So an example- They're like Fantastic Beasts. No. Oh, Fantastic Beasts, the original textbook, which JK wrote. 
Yeah, she wrote the script for the movie as well. Yeah, we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, An example would be Tales of Beetle the Bard, written by J.K. Rowling, part of the Harry Potter universe. Kind of part of the story, but not really. It's not about Harry. It's not part of the seven books. Where an adaptation would be a work by people other than the creator and works that are either retelling the original story or telling other stories. So, for example, the Harry Potter movies, they're adaptations. So canon is a supplementary work, not an adaptation. It does not contradict the original stories thematically or plot-wise. That's the big one for me. That's the difference between canon and not canon. Yeah. And the fourth criteria is absolute value judgment. It's not garbage. (laughs) It's garbage, it's not canon. That's that's (laughs) completely subjective, so that's just based on the individual. It is. That's a value judgment. (laughs) I said that, but I'm including it anyway. Fair enough. So what do you think is canon? Okay. My idea of canon is more more loose, and I want you to think of it like the rings on a tree. So at the center of that tree ring, the most core part of canon is the seven books. Philosopher's Stone to Deathly Hallows. Like you said, seven books are absolute canon. Then my ideas expand from there. So then there's the second ring, mm-hmm. which is the movie adaptations and Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And these aren't canon, but they are at the same time. So yeah. like my idea is that anything that is present in the movies, or actually I've got movies and Warner Brothers here. So that includes the video games as well, because okay. they are based off the Warner Brother movies. Mm-hmm. So anything in the movies or video games of the Harry Potter universe that does not directly contradict or defile the canon that is established in the seven books defile. is canon. <laughs> defile. I know. I use that word deliberately. <laughs> so, okay. So let's say, let's go with Hermione again. So in, in the Yule Ball, uh, Hermione wears a blue dress to the that's in the books however in the movie it's like it didn't it didn't bother me that much but in the movie she wore a pink dress it bothered a lot of people to me that's not canon (laughs) I know it bothers you a lot but for me obviously she wore blue to the Yule Ball in the fourth book and that's how it is and then as another example there are things in the movies which aren't in the books which again don't defile or directly conflict with the plot or characters or themes Mm -hmm. and I've accepted those as canon for example uh, Lucius Malfoy having a cane that he beats his son with that's canon for me or when Harry's, this is a funny one, when Harry's sitting in the Great Hall and he sees Cho Chang across the room and he goes to like say hello, but he's got pumpkin juice in his mouth and he like, yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of good. <laughs> so how do you treat things in the movies that do directly contradict the books? So for example, they're not canon. In the fifth book, Harry learns about Thestrals in class with Hagrid. In the fifth movie, yeah. Harry yeah. learns about Thestrals by going into the forest and having a conversation with Luna Lovegood, which is a beautiful scene that I love. It is a beautiful scene, and I do love it, but it's not canon. It's an adaptation. Original canon is as it is in the Okay, so even when things in the movies are arguably better, I'm not saying that is, but I like it more, it's still the books. We still stick with the original story. Yeah, because I need to have some sort of logic here. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Okay, so then we go to the third ring, which is extra material from JK. Mm -hmm. So these are the sort of um, extra tidbits that we get off Pottermore and things that have been adapted from Pottermore and put onto like the Harry Potter wiki and things like that. Things from um, JK's Twitter, like extra facts about the books in the universe. And again, this applies if it doesn't infringe upon or conflict with the direct canon from the seven books, which isn't usually the case because JK is pretty conscious of her universe, Mm but you know, sometimes it can be controversial. So things like how JK has tweeted that Anthony Goldstein was a Jewish wizard. That's canon for me mm-hmm. because it doesn't c- contradict anything in the books. Makes perfect sense. Okay. 
It's um, interesting that you would put that outside of movies. I guess in your analogy, if you've got the three rings, I would prioritize yeah, that information I mean, above the movies. I guess so. I mean, I, ju- I guess I've just sort of put it in like terms of how I understand Harry Potter in my brain. Okay. And that's primarily the books than the movies, I guess, because JK was famously like absent from Twitter and mm-hmm. comments of about like the universe for years and years and years. And only in the past, maybe five or six years after maybe the fourth movie was released, did she actually start giving some extra information. Sorry. So I seem, I, I sort of arranged it chronologically, yeah. I guess. Do you think the fourth movie was released five years ago? So the old. last book was 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know the state of the okay. movie off the top of my head, but I guarantee you it was not four years ago. Well, yeah, it was definitely after all the movies were released that JK actually started going on Twitter and saying some extra things about the universe. Yeah, it was after Pottermore. Um, and I think, yeah, exactly. And I think that was because... She had also started writing the script for Fantastic Beasts and coming up with ideas for Cursed Child too. So she'd re-immersed herself into that universe and was like, oh, maybe some people should know about this yeah. too. And then on my last ring, I have fan base material. Oh, lovely. And this, again, as long as it doesn't contradict with the books or directly infringe upon or spoil certain elements of the books and the stories, the characters, the theme, the plot, then yes, I could consider it canon. So example, Black Hermione, Biracial Harry, Bisexual mm-hmm. Harry. These don't infringe upon any elements of the books, in my opinion. So, yes, that's how I've organized my canon understanding. Again, that's so interesting to me, that you accept (laughs) fan works as canon. I mean, yeah, like I said, as long as it's an interpretation that doesn't directly contradict anything. Then I'd be like, yeah, sure, that's canon. And like, and then several canons can exist at once. So, yeah, like you said before, how Hermione read a lot of books because she doesn't have any friends. Okay. But she also might have read a lot of books to prepare herself for entering this new world that she knew that she knew mm-hmm. nothing about. My idea about Hermione was like, as you've said before, she was a really smart kid in Muggle school, always got top grades, always top of the class, and then she found out she's a wizard, and she's like, "Shit, I'm gonna go into school and not know anything. Yes. Like, I'm gonna be an idiot." And so that's why she studied up. She's like, I've got to know everything, got to be top of the class, because she didn't want to seem mm-hmm. inadequate. So all those things could exist at once. It could be that, yeah, she didn't have many friends, so she read a lot of books, but it also could be she was an overachiever. She wanted to know as much as possible. There's many reasons that could exist at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, absolutely. I like that turn of phrase, many canons can exist at once. That's good. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like Dumbledore said in the last book, of course it's all happening in your head, but... Why on earth should that mean that it's not real? Like, you know. That is possibly my favourite line in any Harry Potter work. (laughs) It's basically just like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I felt like that was directly (laughs) from JK to the fans. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. I really like your tree ring idea. I would rearrange the rings, but I like it. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting to me that you went chronologically because I would absolutely arrange my rings in terms of, I guess, most valid is what I want to say. Yeah, I mean, of course, that was my intention. But when you actually pointed out the thing about putting JK after the movies, I was just sort of like, oh, maybe I did unintentionally Mm. arrange it chronologically as well, because that's just, I don't know, my mind. I don't know how it works. (laughs) Movies because they're so huge. Yeah, They're a lot of people's entry point into the series. They're actually my entry point into the series. I didn't read them before watching the first movie. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. A lot of people, (laughs) especially people who aren't big fans of the series, their only knowledge of Harry Potter is the movies. So I can Mm. understand why you would prioritize them. Okay, so let's get on to the real question. Cursed Child. How does that fit into our concepts of canon? We'll do mine first and then we'll go into your tree rings again. I really like your tree rings, by the way. 
I was thinking of like China's sovereignty and like translating that to Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, canon. of course. Like, if you haven't studied, <laughs> why would you? If you haven't really studied China's sovereignty or Chineseness, then it mightn't work too well. But anyway, <laughs> why wouldn't I make the instant connection between canon and Chinese sovereignty? That's so clear. <laughs> I love how your brain works. So my four criteria. I'm just going to go through them one at a time. Works created by the original author. I know JK's name is on mm-hmm. Cursed Child, but really, I want to pin the blame for this mess on Thorn and Tiffany. I think it's their fault. <laughs> yeah. And that's written right here. I know you haven't read the book. So oh, you don't yeah, have a copy by the way. It. Yeah, Rhea hasn't actually read or seen The Cursed Child. Of course, we haven't seen The Cursed Child. We're Australian. Yeah. It's not oh, showing yeah. Her. I should probably mention that I have not read Cursed Child. I have no real intention to read Cursed Child, but I have familiarized myself with the concept of the story. I've read plot summaries online. I've listened to lots of criticisms. And I've listened to Jem rant at length about the story. So, as you can see on this front page here, it says, based on an original new story by J.K. Rowling, John Tiffany, and Jack Thorne. But then underneath that, it says, a new play by Mm -hmm. Jack Thorne. So Jack Thorne seems to have had a big yeah. input here. And even then, based on a story by J.K. Rowling, Thorne and Tiffany, it's all of them working on this exactly. story. So I feel like J.K. pitched something and then they're like, maybe yeah. we'll write it <laughs> and we'll adapt it. Yeah. Like you said before, the original creator has to have primary, primary input. And I don't think that she had primary input. I wouldn't say Because so. it was collaborative. Yeah, it's collaborative. Um, and that fits into my second criteria for canon. Is it a supplementary work or is it an adaptation? It's not a supplementary work because she didn't write it primarily. It was an adaptation by other people who took an idea of hers and then turned it into an idea of theirs. And that can be fine, but by its very nature means that it is not canon according to my theories of what is canon. Third point. Does the cursed child contradict the original stories? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Absolutely. is there a single element of the original stories that Cursed Child did not take a massive dump all over? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I would argue against that. I think there are some points in the story that are valid and very nice, <laughs> but I won't reveal them because I, I feel like that's a whole nother kettle of fish. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> One of the good parts of Cursed Child. I could just read you the whole thing. That, that would, would be, be funny. quite funny. We could do it like a reaction video. Reaction audio. Me hearing Cursed Child for the first time. Rhea reacts. I'm not sure if that would yeah. be legal because maybe that would <laughs> go into the realm of an audiobook. No, it's satire. It's fine. Yeah, I'm sure Warner Brothers and JK will come down <laughs> on us like salt pillars. I'll be like, how dare you make no money off this and, and use our work? <laughs> how dare you make your absolute lack of fortunes from this story? <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, dear. Uh, basically, there's a lot of stuff in Cursed Child which contradicts the canon, but I'm going to focus on one element, and it's the thing that you brought up before, time travel. I take time travel very, very seriously. It's something that I'm very passionate about. I'm just realizing now that makes me sound like either a crazy person or some kind of science man. I'm neither of those things. No, I completely yes. agree with when you. When I say time travel, I don't mean time travel in real life. I mean time travel in stories. Oh, really? I was disappointed. I was <laughs> expecting that you'd time and travel. And here's my time machine. No, I I don't think time travel is real. But I don't know. I'm not, I don't have that kind of science knowledge. Maybe it is real. Time travel in stories <laughs> is something that I studied during my first degree. I actually focused on it quite a bit. I don't know why. It was in one of my philosophy classes. Oh, God. I'm revealing myself to be a big idiot and also a massive nerd. 
exposed. Yeah. <laughs> time travel is something that I'm just, I'm very invested in. And I guarantee you, we're going to do a whole episode on time turners in Harry Potter and how they work. But very loosely, yeah, absolutely. time travel in Cursed Child doesn't function in the same way as time travel in the Harry Potter universe as established by Prisoner of Azkaban. That's very upsetting to yeah. me. <laughs> in Harry Potter, time travel is a closed loop. That means that no matter what you do, you can't go back in time and change things. It doesn't work that way. You go back in time, yeah. the things that you change are always the way that they were. It doesn't work. Or it works perfectly, yeah. depending on your perspective on time travel. In The Cursed Child, it is possible to go back in time and change things, which then creates multiple different alternate universes. And to me, yeah. that's just a travesty. Yeah. It completely takes the whole perfect mm. time loop that was put into The Prisoner of Azkaban and just fucks it, it in the face. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's very I disappointing. I don't have words to express how even on just upset it makes me. <laughs> yeah, and even on just a meta level, like it really, mm -hmm. it's disappointing because like that was so oh. well written, and that's why Prisoner of Azkaban is my it's my favorite book because I mm -hmm. love time travel, and that is a perfect time travel. I agree with story. that absolutely. Like, there's no it's seamless. for anyone who's not yeah. as invested in time travel as us, but maybe have some more movie knowledge. <laughs> Harry Potter time travel works like time travel in the first Terminator movie, where, spoiler yeah. alert for the first Terminator movie, if anyone hasn't seen that, go watch Terminator <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Kyle Reese is yeah. sent back in time to change things, but the changes he makes turn yeah. out to be the very thing which make it possible for him to travel back in time. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. always it's a closed loop. There are no real changes. Everything always happens the way it was supposed to happen, which makes the whole point of the movies yeah. no fate but what you make incredibly ironic, and we won't talk about the sequels. Anyway. Time travel in The Cursed <laughs> Child, in contrast, works like time travel from the second Back to the Future movie. Is that the one with... uh? Oh, yeah, yeah, where they go to, like, the year 2015 and Jaws 32 <laughs> is out. Yes, that is the movie. It's the one where yeah. Biff or Griff or Buff or whatever the villain's name is. It's complicated, but basically he ends up creating an alternate timeline where he marries Marty McFly's mother and becomes Donald Trump billionaire asshole. And yeah. that's an alternate timeline <laughs> from the original timeline where Marty McFly's dad is some nerd or big time author. Uh, it, the movies are very confusing. Basically, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> It's dumb and it upsets <laughs> me that it's now part of Harry Potter universe, which is basically the entire reason why I trash Cursed Child. Cursed Child could be just yeah. a bad story in its own right, and I would still be like, yeah, well, it's fine. We don't need to worry about it. But the fact that it wrecked the Harry Potter time travel is, for me, the ultimate reason why I hate it. So <laughs> we come to my final point. Is it garbage? This is a value judgment. I've only included it because in my own head, I can list all the reasons why things are supplementary works or they're adaptations or they're canon or they're not. But really, the things that I hold as canon are the things that I love, the part of the story that makes sense and resonate with me. And the things that I hold as not canon are the things that I hate. So, as child is garbage, yeah. I hate it. It's not canon. Done. And that's just comes straight back to the fan. Like there's no canon for what <laughs> you make. There's no canon for what you make. <laughs> Go on. Excellent. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that that touches on like where I was going to begin with my argument for why it's not canon. And yes, it contradicts directly with the time travel as established in the books. But it does explain in the play mm -hmm. why that is so. It's like okay, 
they they made all these time turners and the department of mysteries itself is like we have to make sure that the time turners are all good because the longest period that may be relived without the possibility of serious harm to the traveler or to time itself is five hours so they made sure that they made these time turners that don't go back five hours or longer however the time turners that are used in the cursed child is one that Albus gets out of the ministry itself because it had been captured by Harry and a bunch of other auras from Theodore Knott. And Theodore Knott had gotten it from like this weird dark magic dealer. So it was like a alternate time device. Right. It's so loose. That, that can make you go back years at a time, but for only five minutes. Stupid. Sorry. I hate it. And Even then, 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 that shouldn't explain why you're able to change yeah, things. It's just a time exactly. turner with different settings exactly. in terms of how far you can travel and for how long. It's not a time turner that changes the fabric of reality. And then, then at the end of the story, Draco Malfoy shows up with this other time turner, which is like a perfect time turner that, again, he got off like the black market dark magic deals, which lets you go back to whenever time you want for however long you want. It's just, it's like, <laughs> it's like they've just, I can't even think of the words. They've just sort of created like a, a camel of like all the things that they need. No, what's the uh, word when they just sort of create something? Oh, ex- ex- I was going to say chimera, which <laughs> is a creature that's made of a bunch of different creatures parts, chimera. but you said camel, which I love. <laughs> it's just a camel, a basic camel made out of no, a yeah, bunch of other animal a- parts. So yeah, they've made a time travel ex machina here, which mm-hmm. is just stupid. So that's the first reason. And then secondly, I've got the dialogue itself. And there's actually moments in which Albus and Scorpius go back in time. Let me just find the page. 115. <laughs> For those who are following along. For those of you reading at page home. One- oh, page one hundred. The first episode of Rhea Reacts Curse to Cursed Child. <laughs> okay, so it's back when... um. It's Act 2, Scene 7. Scorpius and Albus go back to the Triwizard Tournament in the Forbidden Forest for the first Mm. task in 1994. They're there, and Ludo Bagman is having all these announcements. So he's doing the commentary, which which happens in in the books. However, he's saying all these things like, Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, here's the fabulous champions of the Triwizard Tournament. If you're from Hogwarts, give me a cheer. If you're from Dermstrang, give me a cheer. If you're from Brobatons, give me a cheer. And he's saying all this dialogue about all the champions and <laughs> handsome Cedric and all these sorts of things. And the dialogue's right. good. It's funny dialogue. However, <laughs> I have receipts <laughs> of the four For the listeners at home who do not have the privilege of, of seeing our Skype call. Jem just dropped her copy of Cursed Child on her desk and pulled out a copy of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> it was a great visual gag. <laughs> okay, page 306 to 307 oh of A Goblet of Fire. It's the first task, all the champions are in the tent, and Ludo Bagman is there. He's just given them their little dragons out of the pouch so they know what dragons they're fighting. And then he's like, okay, Cedric, uh, be sure to be ready for the, mm-hmm. the whistle. That's when you go out to the arena. And he pulls aside Harry. And he's like, "Oi, Harry, you're the underdog. Like, and and you know it. Like, are you sure you're good for this? You're good for this task?" And Harry's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah." And Little Bagman's like, "You don't need any help." Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Harry's like, "No, no, no, it's all good." But then the whistle blares, and Little Bagman's like, "Oh shit, I've got to be out there commentating." And he runs off and goes to commentate. Cedric is already in the arena. Little Bagman has not had the time to be out there commentating all this stuff before Cedric comes on. So that's just <laughs> completely against the books. So that, and that happens every Triwizard Tournament as well. Every time they go back to a different task, whether it's task one, task two, or task three, it's Ludo Bagman's running commentary about um, give us a cheer and all these sorts of things Amazing. which don't happen in the I books. love how much detail so, you put into that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
had to reread The Cursed Child for this episode, Maria. <laughs> Not Do you worth know how it, hard honestly. That <laughs> and then to my third point about why The Cursed Child isn't canon, and I've highlighted the characterization. There are several different characters which stand out prominently as being badly characterized mm-hmm. in The Cursed Child. The first, oh, I would say, would be Ron. Ron. Ron uh, and Ron's Ron? characterization. Yeah. There's a whole nother episode on that. Oh, my precious boy, what have they done to you? Yes, I know. Like, Ron's characterization in the movies annoyed me, especially in this play. It really irked me. There are things like how. So, Ron's running the joke right. shop now since Fred's died, which is okay. I can. All right, I can accept that. Yeah. It's not what I would have it's imagined. It's not my head but, canon, but I'm uh, happy sure. to accept it as canon. Yeah. But then there's things like, oh, he's pulling jokes on all the kids. Like, he gave Lily, like, Lily Potter farting gnomes. He got James a comb that made his hair turn a shade of pink. So James was combing his hair on the morning of going to the platform to nine and three quarters, and his hair turned pink, and he freaked out, and he runs around the house like, my hair's mm-hmm. pink, my hair's pink, and he's, like, freaking out. And then Harry's just explained this away with, like, oh, Ron's Ron, you know? He's a funny guy. It's like, that doesn't seem like something no. that Ron would do like especially considering all the sort of tricks that fred and george played on ron when he was a kid like that time <laughs> that they, time they heavily traumatized him and caused and a phobia yeah i remember <laughs> yeah and it just yeah. doesn't seem accurate there's another example of hermione she's about to go into her office at the ministry of magic because mm-hmm. she is the minister of magic and she's like oh if you've put like a, a farting bomb in there again or a stink bomb in there and ron's like no no well actually it's not ron it's albus potter oh, god using Polter's potion to be Ron, but the fact that uh, in the past, I know, <laughs> the fact that in the past, Ron done that, and it's such a, a thing that Hermione's like, I hope you haven't no, done that that's again. A it's like, that's a typical Weasley twin right. move. That's and not a typical Ron move. I yeah. can't actually think of a time when Ron pulled move, no. a prank and in also, that kind of manner on someone. No, I would imagine that he would only pull a trick on someone who deserved it. Yeah. So like Malfoy, if he was being a real dick. Even then, yeah, just something like even then, it's putting a, a stink bomb in um, his wife's office. His wife, the Minister of Magic. That's such a stupid childish thing to do. I can't exactly. imagine adult Ron thinking oh this will really get Hermione no he would just think yeah that's mean that's distracting her from her very important job it's not a funny thing to do it's just a stupid thing to do it seems very odd and like the fact that also Ron got drunk at Hermione and and his wedding when they were young Mm -hmm. and he doesn't remember it it just seemed a bit pushing for laughs for me and that was very upsetting because like I just don't see Ron as a type to get so blind drunk at his wedding that he doesn't remember it. And also, I don't see Molly Weasley no. as a type to allow her son to do that. I don't see Hermione as the type to allow him to get away with that. If there's any kind it's of sober up spell, I guarantee exactly. you Hermione knows it, and I guarantee you she would not let Ron get away with that. Exactly. It's just very mm. odd. Um, oh. Okay, then there's Harry's characterization. Oh, <laughs> My other precious boy, <laughs> what have they done okay. to you? Like skip forward to those reading along at home to page 125. Harry, this is in an alternate universe again, so this is when Albus and Scorpius have gone back in time and have meddled with things, and now it's an alternate universe which is slightly changed from the regular one, so it's not like <laughs> You're ruining oh, Voldemort Day. Okay. It's just like Sorry. a sort of different thing. Good things that have come um, out of this play. Black Hermione and you're ruining Voldemort Day. I say that every day to myself in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry is talking to Professor McGonagall and he's adamant that 
Scorpius is a bad influence on Albus mm. and that he's making Albus into a cursed child. And so he's saying to McGonagall, you have to monitor Albus and Scorpius on the Marauders map and make sure that if they spend even a second what? together, that you intervene and keep them what? apart and all that sort of stuff. That I know, Harry it's James so messed. Potter, rule breaker extraordinaire, would give the Marauders map to a teacher so that she can keep his son under 24-hour surveillance. What? That is madness. No. And also, stopping his son from being friends with someone that he's friends with. Exactly. Harry is all about friendship. Like I can see him having so some trepidation so, about and Draco Malfoy's part, son. Some concerns. But, oh my god. I can't even... Oh my god. That is... Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awful. That's so awful. I, I'm so glad I haven't read this book. I know. <laughs> then there's another moment in which McGonagall is like, look, I don't think this is the best god, idea. I, I feel wrong about <laughs> keeping friends apart and Harry I know Harry says with the greatest <gasps> respect Minerva you don't have children and Ginny's like Harry and Harry's like you don't understand and this is actual quote <gasps> Professor McGonagall deeply hurt in italics I'd, I'd hope that a lifetime spent in the teaching Harry, profession would mean Harry and then Harry cuts, cuts her, her off, off and keeps going and Your it's lack like of respect <laughs> I know. I was shook that I actually like gasped. I gasped oh, the first dear. time I read that. I was like, McGonagall no, in such a manner. That is not okay. I I cannot believe I am atrocious. hurt. I'm offended. Okay. Oh my god. I this book is not canon. It's not canon. <gasps> <laughs> okay. Oh, page three hundred and twenty-seven. Harry Potter admits that he is deathly afraid of pigeons. Pigeons. What? Okay, this threw me because Harry has owned a bird for a lot of his life. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was an owl, which is a bit different to a pigeon, but like, well, that's, it was just a strange. I feel ad- like adding, if you've got a phobia, if he's deathly afraid, I would call that a phobia. A phobia of one kind of bird wouldn't that bleed mm. into other kinds of birds? Uh, maybe not, but even still, yeah. uh, where did that come from? Where's the evidence for that anywhere in the story? What is the <laughs> point? Why? What good does that do? <laughs> yeah, no I'm answer. asking you these questions as if there are answers. Understand. There's not. It's just okay. dumb. Okay. And there are two more characters which I'm going to go over real quick. Oh. Firstly, Severus fucking Snape. I'm already okay. bracing myself for anger. Because <laughs> that's right. Severus Snape is in this book because he's in an alternate universe oh, in which he I've didn't die. This. Okay. Scorpius says that in his world, back in like the reality that he was from, Harry told him that Snape was the bravest man he'd ever met. He says, he knew you, you see. He knew your secret, what you did for Dumbledore, and he admired you for it greatly. And that's why he named his son, my best friend, after you both, Albus Severus Potter. This is the stage direction. <sighs> Snape is stopped. He is deeply moved. Deeply Absolutely moved. not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I I cannot imagine no, I, that Snape would be moved by Unfortunately, all that bravest man garbage is canon. <laughs> unfortunately. But Snape being deeply moved, I can't imagine Snape as being anything but offended that a Potter descendant has his name. Yeah, exactly. If not only for the fact that he hates Harry Potter, he hates James Potter, and oh, I'm sure he would have hated Albus Severus Potter if he'd, if he'd ever known him. Not only for those facts, but I don't think that Snape likes himself very much, and I don't think that he'd be happy that his name no. has carried on to this Potter child. He'd be like, look, I'm not worthy of having my name passed down. Yeah. I didn't do anything for anyone else. He's I did it all for me. He's the a selfish like, character. Yeah. Which is great when you combine exactly. it with his self-loathing. Uh, yeah, uh, that's 
that's wrong. Mm. It's just wrong. And then there's another point in mm. which Snape sacrifices himself for Scorpius, and he's like, it, there's a bunch of Dementors coming at them, and he sends out a Tronus, and it's like a, a doe, because it's of Lily. And Scorpius says, thank you for being my light in the darkness. <laughs> this is the stage direction. Snape looks at him, every inch a hero. He softly smiles, and then he says, tell Albus, tell Albus Severus, I'm proud he carries my name. Now go, go. Thank you for being my Absolutely light not. in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Scorpius is a bit gay, and a bit. And by gay, I mean he's yes. literally homosexual what? and gay a drama a queen. For shitty, but gay is a synonym Severus, for what the super fuck? gay. I gotcha. Absolutely oh, gay. Yeah. All right, I'll allow it from <laughs> um, Scorpius. He's a teenager. He should know better, but I'll allow it because teenagers are like that. I say that having just been one. He's fourteen. <sighs> you know? There's one more character which I'd just like to point out, which the characterization is so oh. off, and that is, of course, Cedric Diggory. Rest in peace. Fact that going back in time to embarrass Cedric Diggory during the Tribe Wizard tournament was enough to turn him to the dark side, to make him a Death Eater, to make him the Death Eater which would one day kill Neville Longbottom in the Battle of Hogwarts is absolutely horrendous yes. and disgusting and I a disgrace to his memory, in my it opinion. It goes against everything we know about Cedric, mm. who is, by all accounts, a lovely, brave boy. Yeah. <sighs> to think that... Yeah. Remember that mm. time in my favourite book when Harry is plummeting from the sky in, in the Quidditch match, ends up in the hospital wing injured, and Cedric Diggory, upon learning that Harry had fallen from his broom, demands a rematch. He's like, it's not fair that I won the snitch. We should have a rematch. Harry was injured. But then Dumbledore yeah. and, and Madame Hooch are like, no, 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 the match was won. But yeah, that boy also, would turn he was to already be kind of Absolutely humiliated, not. I'm using air quotes, in the first task. Didn't he fuck up and his dragon nearly burned off half his face? I don't remember the specific details. Yeah. Yeah, I will agree with you. So, All of those characterizations are, to use my favorite term, garbage, and yet more evidence that <laughs> no Harry Potter fan in their right mind should accept Cursed Child as canon. I guess that was the point of my Star Wars tangent earlier in the episode. You don't have to accept anything as canon if you don't want to, because everything is temporary. And if someone's saying to you, yeah. oh, you know, Cursed Child's the eighth Harry Potter book and we have to believe that it's real and we have to accept it. No, we don't. We can just choose to not do that. Nothing's real. Nope. <laughs> Reality isn't a illusion. <laughs> Just, just no. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, there's no canon for right. what you make. I thought those are all a my fun points. way to round out the episode might be if we went through all the other Harry Potter works and decided whether or not they're canon. Basically, I think this will be a good idea to do this for entertainment value and also because moving on, as we've said, this is a debate series where we're going to be presenting evidence from the Harry Potter series to argue certain points. Mm. And I think it's a good idea if we both establish early on what's sources we're going to draw from and how valid those sources are. That's a good idea for us and for our listeners as well. Yeah. Okay. First yeah. Harry Potter work, the books, so one me. to seven. Canon. Yes, absolutely. Now I've got the supplementary works. So these are the works produced by J.K. Rowling. The Hogwarts Library, which include Fantastic Beasts and yeah. Where to Find Them, the textbook, not the other adaptions, Quidditch Through the Ages, yeah. and Tales of Beetle the Bard. Yeah. Yep. All canon. Yep. Also all by my measure, all, they're all, all canon. All canon. Uh, there are also e-books, which I had not heard of before before I did the research this episode, and I would like to track down. There are, I believe, three of them? Yes. Hogwarts, e an incomplete and unreliable guide. Short
short stories from Hogwarts of power, politics, and pesky poltergeists, and short stories from Hogwarts of heroism, hardship, and dangerous hobbies. These are all by JK and Publishers these are all eBooks. That JK I don't know written. when because I forgot to write that down. Interesting. Well, I'd have to read them, but yeah. from what I know, from I would the say, system yeah, I've canon. laid out, I would like, have to accept them as canon, I guess. Mm. Again, I don't have to do anything. Nothing's real. And the third, and I would say <laughs> final supplementary work, this is a big one, sure. Pottermore. Yeah. I mean, as long as it doesn't contradict or spoil the seven mm-hmm. books. I would agree. As long as it's yeah. not con- contradicting it's or not garbage. That's my other criteria. <laughs> Pottermore, mostly I'm happy to accept that as canon. <laughs> now we get into the official adaptations, the movies, yeah. Harry Potter 1, 2, 8, or 7 Part 2, if you like to number them correctly. Well, I've already oh, made my position me, clear on the movies. What about canon, you? Because they're an adaptation. Adaptation. Yep, they're an adaptation, yeah. they're not a supplementary You're work. You're a traditionalist. JK is not the <laughs> primary creator of those movies. I know yep. she was consulted in them, but movies are such a huge yep. collaborative thing. There are so many different voices in there. You can't say that JK's voice is the primary one. It just isn't. Yeah. So while the movies are very valuable, I love a lot of them in a lot of ways. There are also a lot of things about them that I don't love. I can't accept them as canon. I would say that they have their own canon, and I probably will draw on information from those movies in the future when I'm making arguments, but it's not as valid, in my opinion, as information from the previous works I've mentioned. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what I was saying. Yeah. But, like, I... Uh, fantastic Beasts and Where to Find them. them. One until mm. I guess five? We're gonna have five of those movies? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the first movie, as far as I can see, it doesn't contradict with any of the things from the seven oh, books. I don't know. I mean, right? Off I don't the top of my so. head, I don't think it does. So, so, like, yeah, I would accept it as canon. I mean, I do have problems with mm-hmm. some of the things in those movies. I liked a lot of other things, but mainly my yes. problems are around. <laughs> my problems Johnny are Depp with one thing, but, um... and that's Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. Known asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was good. I mean, I'm not sure how they're going to progress it from here with the next yes. five movies. I'm a bit wary about that. I think I maybe think it's they wonderful as a standalone film on its own. I love maybe. it. All the storylines are wrapped up at the end. Yeah, I think it's a great standalone mm. film as a yeah. series of five. Ooh. I have a lot of trepidation. And we'll Pushing leave. It. Yeah. Especially after the Cursed Child and mm. Ilvermorny controversies that have come from JK's recent works. I'm yes. not sure if it's going to be. Oh, we'll leave this conversation <laughs> for a later episode, but there is a lot to unpack there. The Harry Potter games, which would be the PC games yeah. for us because we're traditionalists and don't own a yeah. platform. <laughs> Yeah. Like I said before, as long as it doesn't infringe upon the books, this is particularly for me with the spells. So things like Spongify, Carpe Retractum, things we mightn't have seen in the books and the movies, but are yeah, perfectly valid. I like the Spongify like, and, spell. Awesome, in my opinion. What I was thinking you were saying <laughs> is that some of the spells in the games directly contradict the spells from the books. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. a problem as well. For example, so, the as long incendio as spell the books, in the games is some kind of cutting or plant-based spell from memory, whereas incendio in the books is an incendiary spell it lights a fire yeah, that's wrong so I would yeah. say that the games yeah. are not canon because they're adaptations and they contradict that fits my criteria okay. for not canon but isn't it like dope to think that Hogwarts Castle is just full of all these yeah. like little secret rooms with spiders that drop from the ceiling to imagine Hogwarts as like beans. a video game <laughs> and there is a lot of evidence to think that it is <laughs> and I know I also like that apparently I mean, that's if not we accept that as canon all of the teachers just give out 
candy for completing the most basic tasks. And there's Birdie Bot's beans literally everywhere that you can just pick up and then use as money. <laughs> and the Birdie Bot's beans that room in the third Harry Potter game. That was dope. <laughs> On the same note, oh the God. Lego games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much fun. But I have the, seen like, you play I don't know, have you ever a couple played the of levels, games? but it never caught my interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very big platform game. Yeah, I mean, the little clips that they have, like, in between scenes, obviously, a lot of those, like, <laughs> characterizations are completely against canon. Like, there's a part where I think uh, Voldemort uses a karaoke machine. Sorry, and it's like, <laughs> like, it's hilarious, but obviously, <laughs> that karaoke <laughs> master. <laughs> <laughs> That's more canon than anything I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I accept that. So yeah, I would say the Lego <laughs> games are a stretch. Because again, like yeah. a lot of the spells are based around building things too, which just isn't true. <laughs> for the Harry Potter. True for the Lego the series, series, but not Harry Potter. <laughs> and I've got in my final official adaptation, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you would technically call this an adaptation, but I'm going to. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. The theme park. I mean, Although yeah, we do have to go back to, We're very lucky. to the one in America uh, because they've done an expansion since we were there. Oh, we do have to go back then. <laughs> I mean, of course, there are certain things like I wish they were canon about that experience, yeah. like the butterbeer. I loved the butterbeer. <laughs> I could guzzle that like a motherfucker 24-7. But no. is it how I imagined the butterbeer in the books? Of course not. I have this intense like idea of what butter. the butterbeer tastes like from the three broomsticks and nothing could really replicate that in the real world so yeah i, I, I agree there are elements the of that experience part, no, that i would like to be canon canon. primarily i would like me buying a wand and attending hogwarts to be canon <laughs> however i will accept that it isn't <laughs> of course oh, and now we get into the really fun part notable yeah. fan works <laughs> i've got four here i would like to say Ideally, I could spend the rest of my life discussing the various Harry Potter fan works and how canon they are or are not, and just how much I love them. I'm completely immersed in this fandom. <laughs> Rhea has engaged a lot more into fan fiction than I have. I've only lightly dipped in my toe, yes. and honestly, it's she not because she's I'm only lightly dipped in her toe. She lazy. has written a <laughs> two hundred and fifty thousand word fanfiction, which I won't embarrass her by saying the title of. But it is wonderful, and if you sneaky that. message me, I will send you the link to it. That's I'll do it. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> Anyway, notable fan works are uh, Wizard Rock, so Moving the on. entire genre of music. Uh, primarily, I would say most people would know the band Harry and the Potters. Yeah, Red and the Weasleys. I have a couple of their songs on my um, iPod. Draco and the Malfoys. I will admit. I've listened to those songs before. I don't know mm -hmm. how they would work in terms of the canon. I think they're just interpretations. <laughs> um, I've got to say, by definition, yeah. fan works are not canon works. That's part of the transformative nature of fandom, and it's what makes it what it is, and it's what I love about it. So none of these are canon for me, just straight off. I love them. The closest that comes yeah, to an exception not. is my well. next not one. Canon. A very potted musical, the full trilogy. Oh, okay. So the Star Kid Productions. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> like, I mean, I love those plays. You know I do. Whenever I'm sad, I watch them and I laugh for days. But <laughs> there's uh, no. It's yes. an adaptation. It's hilarious. Oh, I'm it's almost tempted to put it in the same sort of category as I would put the Harry Potter movies. Where it's an adaptation that, <laughs> while it has its problems and is, of course, not canon, it's so true to the essence of the story that it deserves its own kind of ranking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there mm -hmm. are some sort of links to the, the essence of the characters and the story that are 
quite poignant and quite well played out in the play. But then I think that, of course, they're over-dramatized yeah. and made more funny than they need to be. Things like how mm-hmm. um, Hermione has, like, debilitating confidence issues. Like, I just don't... Yeah, Hermione's a bit self-conscious of herself, but I don't think it's to that extent. But I do love it when Ron walks on stage with a giant Hershey's bar the size yeah. of, like, a, a table and just From starts gnawing at it. Like, that's I find that, and that would be while, me. of course, <laughs> over-dramatized and not accurate to the story, a lot of the ways in which the characters are portrayed are accurate to their essence in a way that I can't fully explain, but I feel when I see them. For example, Draco does not, of course, roll around on the ground and literally force himself into the middle of every conversation that the trio are having. Mm. But seeing him do that on stage is perfect to who he is. And of course, from the second play, it makes complete sense. Mama Umbridge, everything about the portrayal of Dolores Umbridge is inaccurate to the story, (laughs) but it's so accurate to who she is as a person. Terrifying BDSM body builder man <laughs> exactly that's Dolores Umbridge <laughs> oh, that was so good yes so <laughs> strangely of all the things that I could say are canon I've said a very <laughs> musical is the most canon of everything that I've said aside from the books and other JK works I think we can agree that the very Potter <laughs> musicals oh, are better one than of them the has to be canon <laughs> I know which one 100%. I'm choosing <laughs> Oh, although it does have yes. the same sort of problem with time travel, but let's just ignore that for now. We've this episode's gone on for long enough. I have got two. Oh yeah, it's, yes. The, that's the difference. Is, it's not. I've got two last ones. It's not taking it so seriously. That's the difference. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, and there's two reasons for that. One, doesn't make sense, and two, I'm annoyed by Please it. Please stop talking about Jim endlessly on Let Tumblr with <laughs> quotes from Potter Puppet Pals. She would not enjoy that, and we definitely, nobody should do it. Don't do oh it. Oh my god. Don't, don't do it, do it, do it. Oh, <laughs> and the god. last notable Harry Potter fan work, My Immortal. Mm. As with I haven't read it. I've familiarised myself <laughs> with the key elements. I mean, I know there's a part where Ebony, Darkness, Dementia, Raven, or whatever her name is, <laughs> goes back in time to seduce Voldemort to stop the war or something. <laughs> I mean, I know my immortal's gotten a lot of yeah. heat, but I don't know if it's serious or not, and it's just like, I think someone was just having a, a time. They were having a good time, we should just let them live, not drag them through the dust horrendously. <laughs> it but is it's widely like, regarded both within and outside of Harry Potter fandom <laughs> as the single worst fan fiction of all time. Exactly. And I mean, have they read the one where the Hogwarts squid and Hogwarts, like, castle have sex? Because I think that's uh, another imprinted on my eyelids, which I hold never. dear to my heart. Like, I vomit. <laughs> so, I don't know. Oh. Fucking no. <laughs> that's when I removed my toe from the well of that's, Harry Potter fandom. That's fandom. Like, oh, no, that I, I like to slather my entire body with. <laughs> yes. This is exactly what I want out of my experience as a fan. Anyway. <sighs> Why I've included My Immortal on this list is because the thing that struck me most when reading it about Cursed Child is how many plot points it shared with the worst fanfiction of all time. (laughs) It makes you wonder. I truly think that in attempting to write a good Harry Potter story with clearly what is an absolute lack of understanding of what makes Harry Potter amazing... They accidentally stumbled onto the worst things about Harry Potter, the worst ways you can adapt the story. 
And that to me is pure magic. I mean, as a piece of literary fiction, I think it's incredible. <laughs> as a part of the Harry Potter universe. Yep, I'll please also no. say High Immortal is not canon. But I love it more than I love the Cursed Child. Not canon. Okay, that's all from us today. <laughs> yep, you'll hear from us soon. Thanks for listening to Podcast Nine and Three Quarters. This show is written and edited by Ria and Jem. You can send us an email at 9andthreequarterspodcast at gmail.com or talk to us separately. Jem is on our Tumblr page, podcast9andthreequarters.tumblr.com and I, Ria, am on my blog, prosedentedglasses.com. Please feel free to send theories or ask questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the sea just to avoid them. This week's intro music was Forward to Time Past by John Williams and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You'll hear from us again in two weeks. 